Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Monday night edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Derek. <laughs> you know, now, those who are used to listening on Monday nights are used to hearing Dale. And, you know, Dale's moved. moved. He's changed towns. You know, he just can't do Monday nights on Free Talk Live anymore. And I've, I've got Derek. Derek, who the hell are you? Well, who the hell am I? I am Derek. I am the gay replacement for Dale. Um, <laughs> I think Dale was gay too, wasn't he? He wa- he seems it's, to be. Yes, it's kind of no, a quota system we have here at Free Talk Live. You can't just take a gay guy and replace him with a straight guy. No, no, it, it would be too much. So I am a gay man from Philadelphia. I'm 22. I came here to Keene six months ago as part of the Free State Project. Thought that I could make my way here and build a little liberty along the way. And I've just had a blast as long as I've been here. I started doing Prometheus Unchained, another great show on the Liberty Radio Network. <laughs> and uh, now I'm just having a ball working as a wage slave and doing this in my spare time. You uh, also do some help with uh, Freaking TV. This is true. A lot I'm- of... Uh- Camera work and that that's, kind of thing. That's right. I'm the technical director for Free Keen TV, another great show produced in Keen. And um, I had to find somebody to to fill this the slot. And um, you know, I had I've had a lot of offers and that kind of thing. I, um, I you know, basically heard you on Prometheus Unchained, and I decided this is the guy that I want to fill Dale's. Uh, the light loafers. Woo! And I, you know, I, that's, that's why I picked you. Now, you know, <laughs> it's not like you're walking around with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, Liberty cred or something like that. You've, you know, had your own TV show or anything like that. It's not like you've had that. But talent is what talent is. And I think you've got it. And we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to ride with it and see how it goes. Well, thank you, Mark. Okay. I'll, I'll wait for your coming out announcement later. <laughs> it's going to be a long time coming, my friend. <laughs> so I asked you to do a little bit of show prep uh, for the show, and I think you've got some good stuff there. Tell me about the post office. Well, the post office uh, made some announcements today. Uh, they, The postmaster general, Patrick R. Donahue, said... Sounds important. You're right. Our situation is extremely serious. Uh, Donahue said in a New York Times article published Monday, this is coming from the United Press International uh, in a story today, Uh, he says the delivery service, which has no layoff clauses with unions, faces higher costs, particularly for labor, which accounts for 80% of its expenses. So what they're looking to do is tell Congress to shut down the post office on Saturday deliveries, and if they don't, the post office could shut down permanently. You know, um, they've been threatening to do this for a long time, and I've got to say that if I, I, I support it in the sense that if we're going to have this monopoly on first-class delivery of mail, and I don't think that there's any reason that we should, it doesn't make any sense to me that it costs the same to send a letter across town as it does to send it across a continent. But if we're going to have it, I, I think that really what they have to do is they have to cut down delivery, and Saturday delivery makes the most sense, I suppose. Well, I hope they do. I mean, we need some market incentives to make mail delivery feasible again, and I know that there are cities where people already just have bike boys just bike around and deliver uh, messages, and that goes a lot faster than the postal service. Yep. Uh, there's, certainly, there's all kinds of messaging services. People can People can get stuff delivered without the post office the post office is a dinosaur that uh, we really don't need anymore but it and getting rid of saturday delivery isn't going to really make it 
that much more efficient. We're still going to be cu- having these same problems in a couple of years. The post office is going to be crying and whining about, uh, you know, it's not going to be able, able to make ends meet again. Stamps are going to have to go up. Currently, all the post office really is is a way for uh, advent. It's, it's a va- advent. They deliver pizza coupons, car wash yeah. coupons, <laughs> and all these things. They stuff your mailbox full of this crap. Even if they shut down for all days except for one, they wouldn't have the proper market incentives to stay alive. I mean, with their... Uh, uh, no layoff clauses with unions uh, yeah. and labor being 80% of their overhead. I mean, they, they just wouldn't be able to stay alive even if they operated for one day. So, yeah, it's, you know, one day would certainly give them uh, more credence, but then they'd be, they'd be less, <laughs> they'd be less important at that point. I would think if I were, you know, if I were in the king of the post office, uh, <laughs> what makes most sense to me is say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday home delivery or, you know, three day a week home delivery and including Saturday. So maybe, on some days they deliver Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and on some places they Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, or something like that. But there's no reason in the world why everybody needs to get mail at their house every single day. Unless you're really old. If you can't like make it to the post office, I suppose you could... You know, chip a little if, extra in. To- usually, the old folks have the uh, the opportunity to. I mean, you know, they're they're thinking about their mail more, so yeah. they can, they can plan ahead a day, and you know, then it's taken care of again. So I, I just think that you know, the, the the post office is is a relic, and is it's it's moving the deck chairs around on the the Titanic, uh, whatever they come up with as uh, ways to to solve the problem. I, I can't believe in the age of email, Congress is taking this threat seriously. Just like, oh no, the, the post office is going to shut down. What will people do to deliver their text messages? They say <laughs> over Twitter. It's just like, oh, well, look at all the other options around that people are already using. Yep. Grandmas and grandpas all over this nation are buying computers so that they can get communications from their grandchildren and, you know, other people that are important to them. But I think it's really the grandchildren. I mean, this is a, it's a big motivating factor because I don't think there are that many thank you letters getting written anymore. When I was a kid, <laughs> I remember my uh, specifically, I remember my Uncle Rod, God bless his soul, um, he gave me this, the Chronicles of Narnia, the the, the box Ooh. book set, and I had to write out this uh, thank you um, you know, note to him and just come up with telling him things about what was going on in my life. But I see this guy maybe once a year. I didn't really know him right. that well, so it was, a, it was a kind of a sticky situation. And... It's, um, you know, it was just an, it, the, the, I don't think that kids are filling out those thank you notes anymore. No, the kids aren't doing that. And if kids have the option, they will just text their grandma, hey, thanks. Yeah. I, that's I, that's going to be the quicker option. That's what they're going to do. I don't know if grandma's running, too many grandmas are running around with the phones with the text options. Maybe they are. But I think that uh, <laughs> email, I, 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 I totally believe that uh, the senior Americans, the, 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 the golden hairs are, are, figuring out email just so that they can communicate with people better. And we are communicating so much better now with the internet and letters. They're, they're cute and everything. They're, they're neat. And, you know, I, I think that thank you notes go a long way in dealing with clients and uh, situations because you really can make yourself stand out with them. But it's just a really old, I mean, it, to get a handwritten letter in the mail, it's incredible. Well, it it actually it um, makes it more important when you get a handwritten letter, definitely. But I wonder if the competition, like Blue Mountain, those uh, 
websites where you can send a personalized greeting yeah, that has a little animation. Yeah. I, I would think that older people would love those. Yeah. They would be like, oh, thank goodness I got email. I can see little figurines dancing around the screen They're with neat. my thank you. And the, you just can't get that with regular mail. They're neat. I haven't gotten one of those in quite some time. You know, the whole specialized email where like the sun will rise and the you birds will chirp. you got to write more chirp. thank yous. I guess. I, I just <laughs> think about that. <laughs> but I remember them when, uh, when, when the internet was newer. And I remember right. thinking, this is pretty special. Yeah, it's cute. It makes you feel good. I, I just, you know, I, I think the post office, it's it's on its last legs. We're watching a dinosaur die. Um, I, I can't say, you know, I, I don't want these people, uh, their, their lives ruined by losing their jobs and them having to go out and find other work or whatever. But this is a really inefficient organization. It's really, it's wrong that the average American has to subsidize the delivery of pizza coupons because these people get bulk rate. That's not first class delivery. They're getting cheap oh. rates to send those pizza coupons to you, whereas I have to sp- spend full boat to send you a thank you note. It should be the other way around. If you want to send the pizza coupon to me, you need to pay 115% of whatever the price is, and we're going to subsidize you know, the mailing of bills and, uh, and handwritten notes and things like that. If you're going to subsidize something, subsidize the stuff that's important, not the car wash coupon. Here, here. So, I mean, you know, when you're getting these Val packs and the, the coupons are falling out all over the place when you're trying to get back into the house, I, well, that's the post office isn't doing me a service. I take way. issue with you saying that the post office shutting down would ruin people's lives who work there because their lives were clearly already ruined before they started working there. <laughs> if that was their option that they chose. They call it going postal, I suppose. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I want people to, you know. Be happy with their lives. 855-450-3733. What do you think? My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Derek. <laughs> I just love hearing you say that. Are, are you a cigarette smoker? Yes. I was, too, for many years. <laughs> you know, cig- Derek, cigarettes, not good for you. Oh? Indeed, there's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com, a pack-a-day smoker will already save about $120 a month just by switching to e-cigarettes and tastes better. No more ashtray mouth, no more smell, no secondhand smoke, no smoke at all. You can use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cardamizers, coupon code FTL. Since those 40 cardamizers are $69.99, you will get the free shipping also. So you get a free starter kit, free shipping with coupon code FTL at vaporsmiths.com or call 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR. 
So can't beat that. It's, it's a pretty good deal. Derek, interesting story came out today about, I guess, from Arizona about uh, people visiting their relatives in jail. That's right. This comes from the Daily Mail. Anger as a UK. Yes, that's it's a, inter- interesting how uh, you know foreign papers will publish stories that just you, you, the, the the ones in the states they just won't do it. Yeah, it it is it's terrific. If um, a s- newspaper in the states were covering a story like this about Edinburgh, I I really wouldn't care too much. But I'm <laughs> I'm glad that the uh, people of Britain do uh, give a darn about what's going on in Arizona. So what's happening is that Arizona prisons are looking to charge visitors $25 to see inmates. And this is supposed to help them plug their budget for, uh, shortfall. So it's a tax on uh, visiting your relative in, in, that they've incarcerated. Yeah, and it's a disincentive to go visit somebody and make them feel better. Uh, it, it absolutely is a disincentive. More, more solitary confinement. And that was – I spent a certain amount of my life in a prison, and I can tell you that one of the th- pieces of lip service that they give you is that they – believe that it is good for your mental health for you to see friends and family and they want to uh, facilitate that in whatever ways they can i guess that's why they shake them down and uh, you know ask them for all kinds of paperwork send them away if they've uh, not wearing the you know whatever proper clothes and all kinds of uh, the other rules and um, idiosyncrasies that uh, they have as far as uh, visitation goes but this fee is a whole new step. Well, yeah, like other taxes, they provide all of these uh, services that you don't ask for. Um, the $25 non-refundable fee is for a background <laughs> check, uh, which is in accordance with the Department Order 911. Now, I, I'm not sure where they get this Department Order 911, but it's it's uh, suggestively titled, uh, in, in my opinion. <laughs> so, disturbing numbers, certainly. Yeah, right. Um, so, I think that this is going to put people off to visiting their friends and relatives in jail because i mean i i know i love ian but if i had to pay 25 bucks every time to visit him visit him less often right it's just bound to happen you don't have it so that's what they're looking to do and where is this this is in arizona so this like the state of arizona difficult to know yeah difficult to know um it's out of where it's it's out of Florence. Okay, so it could be in perhaps the well, this is interesting the penal county, um, Arizona, or it could be all of the state. So it depends on how they want to look at it. But you know, this is to me this is just another tax. Now, do they are they clear here as to whether or not um, this is a one time fee or whether this is a per visit fee? Because if they're doing a background check, you'd think that they'd be able to keep your information from time to time. Um, but they say that they're doing it to plug budget holes. So I'm, I'm kind of feel like I'm getting uh, conflicting information here. Not that uh, you know, government bureaucracies are very ever very good at uh, let, letting people know what their policies are. No, it seems to be that it would be a multiple time. Uh, every time you visit, you have to pay twenty five dollars. Um, because you could you could be wanted since last week. Right, exactly. That's that's what they're looking for. Just doing the regular background check, making sure that you're not a not naughty person, yeah. right? Who just visiting your friend in in their jail. And an interesting thing about this is jail is where they put, to some extent, not entirely, but to some extent, they put unconvicted people, people who have not been convicted of any crime, are in jail. People that have been convicted are usually in prison. They do house people that are convicted of uh, misdemeanors who get sentences below one year in county jails. But 
I would say that most of their inmates in county jails tend to be pre uh, pre sentence inmates. So at that point, before conviction, at least uh, there's a, there's usually a period between uh, con- being convicted and being sentenced. But before conviction. This seems really wrong to do to somebody. You're incarcerating them. They're they're just looking to extort people because they have a budget shortfall. I mean, this, that much is obvious. It seems obvious. Well, there's Wendy Baldo, and she's the chief of staff for Arizona State, and she uh, confirmed that the charges were aimed at helping slash the budget shortfall. But mm-hmm. they also admitted that the money wouldn't just be used for background checks. That they would also be using the money um, to do repairs for the prison. Ah, so know, it would be for maintenance and repairs. Well, I, you know, this is this is one of the things they'll often pass off in one way, shape, or form. Um, you know, they'll say that, oh, you know, we're going to use it for this or we're going to use it for that. But frankly, none of those convicts and none of their families care about repairs on that prison unless they happen to be in it. And most of them are in there for nonviolent crimes, and they're in their pre-sentence. So the idea that you're holding somebody before they've been sentenced and not letting them even talk to their or see their family when they do talk to their family they're talking over a uh, a collect call that's probably costing them two or three dollars a minute this is just all-out extortion they take these people off the streets the only contact they can have with their family costs them a mint and the expectation is is that they're going to come out and act like good little citizens after they've been treated like trash. Yeah, it's a special type of cruel. I don't know how they expect the people in the prison to feel like they're getting better in any way if, if they're not able to meet with the, the people they called the normal life, you know, when they were outside. I've heard numbers, um, you know, and this is – it can be very difficult to find out what recidivism rates are, mm. but – it seems like most people that uh, you know go in and go out, uh, that, that like there's half of the prison population is just going to recycle and recycle and recycle. Um, seems like it would be about that, yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's it's sad, and I mean you can see that these uh, these bitter people have not been fixed in any way, and you'd think that they could come up with. Really, you'd think you'd come up with some some way to fix these uh, fix these people, you know, give them the right incentives. But government is really bad at that. Oh, I know they can they can just charge double for people who have already been in there once. That, that <laughs> way they can it. they can short the uh, fix the budget shortfall easier that way. It'll be three strikes quicker. you pay triple. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, this is the three strikes your your outlaw makes a lot of sense to a lot of people until you see its application right. in real life. And then you know it's it's one thing if you're talking talking about somebody who just keeps on stealing people's cars or whatever three victimless crimes have have the same penalty right in a lot of cases you're just talking about violations of probation and that's a it's a crime to violate your probation but if i violated my probation by say being out 10 minutes late or getting drinking some beer at home or something like that (laughs) yeah i don't think that that's exactly what people were thinking about when they supported the three strikes you're out Definitely not. Yeah. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Do you support this, charging people to see their families? This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Carnation Breakfast Essentials, helping your family get off to a nutritious start every day. Mornings can be chaotic, but a little advance work will take the pressure off. The night before, organize backpacks and put them at the door, along with anything else that your kids need for the day. Set a timer for five minutes before departure to give everyone a chance to mobilize, and off you go. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Go check out freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is an interactive radio show where you can call in and talk about anything you want. Free Talk Excuse me, freetalklive.com is an interactive website where you can post whatever you want, um, post links to whatever you wish. People will vote up your links, vote them down. You can vote up theirs. Go check it out. See how the little system works there at freetalklive.com. It's awesome. It allows you to, uh, well, get stories in front of us that um, otherwise we may not see and share those stories with other folks. It's the... You know, the primary website there at freetalklive.com. Social Security versus private retirement accounts. Professor Anthony Davies analyzes Social Security through the lens of a typical 22-year-old American. Derek, that's your age, isn't it? Yes. You should see the video. Assuming Social Security is completely solvent, and it's not, the expected return <laughs> on investment is far lower than a private account. Go Ouch. see the math math here. It is amazing to see um, just these, these bar graphs and how he uh, lays it on down for you. It's, it's at learnliberty.org slash FTL. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. Once you watch the video, share it on your Facebook. Uh, share it with your friends and family. It's a great way to show them that Social Security doesn't work, and it's really never going to work. Check out the Liberty, Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side of the page at learnliberty.org FTL. It's a course for people who want free online continuing education, economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. It's learnliberty.org FTL. So, Derek, are there any uh, other choice quotes here from the the bureaucrats regarding the uh, the the jail, or do they just say it's to to meet budgets? I mean, do they do they defend the idea of uh, you know people not being able to see their families who haven't been convicted of crimes? No, no, they do not. They, it doesn't look like they are <laughs> looking to put a happy face on this at all. They're just saying we're extorting money. We're just going to do that. But one thing that I thought maybe you could elucidate a bit on is the. Um, prisoner's spending account. I don't know much about that, having never been in jail, but it's uh, it says the Middle Ground Group has filed a lawsuit over another part of the law, which charges 1% on deposits made to a prisoner's spending account, and that's according to the New York Times. So what is that spending account? Mark? Well, I would say that this varies from place to place, um, but essentially you can send money to your loved one in jail that they can use to purchase uh, you know, soda pops and um, you know, hostess ca- cakes or Zoom Zooms and Wham Wham, as they used to call them in, in jail, which I thought was very clever. Um, and you know, the different things that they might get, the, the canteen to have some extra food or smokes or, or whatever, depending on where they are. Some cases they can't have them. Some places they actually work and make some money. So they can, you know, they can actually send some money out to friends and family. Not that it's much, but, you know, it's it, it feels good to be able to do such a thing. Right. So this is their little new ploy at uh, turning this whole thing into a casino gulag. We'll take a little bit here, a little bit here. Yeah. Well, uh, one you don't percent, get all your spending account. It doesn't seem like much until you see how many inmates they have and how many they run through. So this gives an incentive, by the way, to the state which is the organization that is, uh, ultimately runs this, to incarcerate people because now they're getting 1% of uh, the you know, money that they get, uh, you know, money that the people get in, plus they're getting $25 every time somebody visits, plus they get a kickback on every telephone call. And you Ugh. wonder, and I mean, this is just the stuff we no. happen to know about, and you wonder why incarceration rates are going up. You wonder why the United States incarcerates more people than any other country on earth. Uh, you wonder. I don't wonder. I, it's 
what they called it while we were in jail, and I really believe it is the prison industrial complex. Um, it's really a it, it is a big money making thing. And I, the, I imagine there's no other way to send money to a prisoner, right? You have to put it in their spending account. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's um, the only option. I I wouldn't say that that's true for every single place, but I'll bet it's I I would bet that it's pretty much true it's, across. It's going to be incentivized to be the only option now. Yes, absolutely. Um, if they can get away with taking one percent out of people, oh, this is a handling fee uh, or whatever. I mean, they just call these these taxes are fees. Well, I'd like to see how quickly it'll be raised too. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's not well, going to end with one percent. That's not going right. to be the end of the story. Now yeah. that they've gotten their their teeth in there, they're they're going to fight for. 20%. <laughs> exactly right. I bet you they do it, just that. Hadn't really thought about it, but uh, yeah, you're, you're right. They're going to raise it as uh, as time goes by. And it's it's sad that they're doing this to people, first off, that haven't been convicted. And secondly, um, you know, I, I'm not sure that everybody in jail is guilty. I tend to think when well. you're talking about more more, uh, you know, a smaller number. Um, but, but as far as uh, people being charged, fewer than ninety or fewer than one percent of them ever actually see a jury trial, which is where I would assume the, uh, you know, you would see people that that really truly believe themselves to be innocent go. And when they get to jury trials, felony as far as felonies go, the conviction rates are over sixty six percent in jury trials so Whoa. you would assume that anybody who would be foolish enough to go all the way to a jury trial um would probably be innocent because they believe in it that strongly there's fewer than one percent of people that are uh, charged with a crime actually end up in a jury trial that you would uh, as a matter of fact a, a caller called in one time and said that he was that he was taking something to a jury trial and he was the first time that had happened in his county in years wow so he really believed he was innocent. I, I think you can draw that conclusion. Right. But, you know, the the, de- the deck is so stacked against one when these things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> and juries, I feel, are more just a study in human nature. You know, well, if he's voting that way, should I go along with him or she's she's pretty? Maybe I should vote the way she does. The social experiment. It really, I think it is. And I think it's a failed one um, as far as bringing justice. Clearly. I don't think the state really, uh, you know, can administer justice. I, you know, if you were going to have something like this, it would it would have to exist outside of the state, away from the organization that benefits from convicting people, because juries, I, you know, not very good uh, arbiters. I think of of justice. Maybe probably better than judges. Maybe. But you'd think that uh, people that were paid to do this for a living might actually be better in some ways. Yeah, I don't know. Not if they're paid by the same people as the prosecutor. Yeah. I mean, the jury, I would think, would be a little more just because they're not getting paid for this uh, by, you know, they're not being incentivized to have a certain type of decision. You know about the stories where all the judges were uh, prosecuting children, especially in Pennsylvania, yeah, sure. just for the kickback. So I, I, I would. Take that's a jury's the, word over a judge. That's the corrupt. Um, those are the corrupt uh, judges, and I'm not saying that I don't think that. You know, I don't know, but a lot of judges tend to rise up through the ranks of prosecutors too. Doesn't that? Well, dis- yeah. Doesn't that disturb you? You know that the prosecutor has now put on the uh, the robe and decided that he's going to mete out justice. I would think that a prosecutor's mind gets kind of twisted in the same way a police officer's does towards just kind of believing that everybody who runs through this is guilty. Because if every if most people that ran through the system weren't guilty, then 
the people that are in the system would be bad, right? They would be uh, perpetrating evil things, and no one wants to believe they're doing that. So they're right. they've, their minds tend to get – and I'm not – I don't even know. I don't know what the percentages of guilty and innocent people are that go through. I don't think – I don't see how anyone could ever know because I think a lot of people – a lot of people who are not actually innocent of the crime um, will take the plea in order to get out of their family having to deal with this situation. They don't have the money. They don't believe the the uh, the, the public pretender is going to <laughs> uh, pretend to uh, defend them. They're not going to do anything. They don't have the money for a real lawyer. The last time they did get a real lawyer, they felt like they got ripped off. And I just think it's one big racket and it seems to be a racket perpetrated by lawyers. I don't want to make a bunch of lawyer jokes here or anything like that, but I kind of think it's a racket perpetrated by lawyers. No, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the the prosecutors, when they're handed a case, have to assume that everyone that they're handed is guilty. I mean, that's the only way they're, in in my speculation, going to be able to look themselves in the mirror and, and sleep at night. Is yeah. To say, yeah, I'm only prosecuting guilty people. That's all I've ever done. You know, I've never slipped up and, and put an innocent person in jail. You it's know. amazing how many prosecutors will, once they've once a case has been pr- pretty much proven to be somebody's innocent, they'll still keep on fighting just to make it look what, like what, what they were doing was right. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Go to freetalklive.com. Check out the shrine. It's at shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see all the lovely ladies who have uh, proven that they are listeners of Free Talk Live. We, we do it to prove that not just guys listen to Free Talk Live, but ladies do too. And... If you found out that all the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes, would you want to join them? It's happening, and you could be part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Derek, you're a mover for the Free State Project. I sure am. What made you sign up? What happened? Well, I that shrine that you just mentioned actually was <laughs> was was my in for the uh, Free State Project because uh, was one of the shriners of shrine of female listeners who introduced me to Free Talk Live. I heard about the show, started listening, um, 
read about a Free Minds TV and uh, Free Minds Radio and said, what the hey? I mean, these people are actually uh, living liberty in their lifetime. That's the real draw of it. As Also, Ian's advertisement, you listeners have heard dozens of times on this radio station, is do you feel like liberty is dying where you live? Mm-hmm. And I did. And no matter what I did... I didn't seem to be able to build up the momentum where I lived to make a, an agorist business happen or, or have a community of people who would be will, willing to go to jail over certain issues. But here I am, and this community is thriving on those principles. Got it. Well, if you're uh, interested in these ideas, it's freestateproject.org. Let's go. This is the show about uh, your phone calls. So let's go to Nick in Arizona. Nick? Nick, can you hear me now? Um, yep, I can hear you. Great. Uh, so I live I live out here in Phoenix, and uh, just want to give you some facts about Florence. Okay. Uh, it's about six, 60 miles southeast of Phoenix in Pinal County, not Penal County. Okay, well, And uh, sorry they wrote it wrong. <laughs> uh, the, the population is about 17,000 people. In the county? And in that little, yeah, in that, in that town. In that town, okay. Florence, yeah. Uh, in that town, they have three prisons. What? Whoa. And, yeah, uh, that's where the Arizona death row is. And in another prison, that's where the execution chamber is. Okay. The, what? the third one is uh, DHS detention center. And I haven't been able to figure out how many people are held in that or what exactly it's for. Yeah, that is strange. Oh, my what, goodness. What are people being held in a DHS detention center for? Department of Homeland Security. I mean, right. is, is that somehow hooked up with uh, immigration customs enforcement? Are are they people that you know are being uh, you know waiting to go fighting going back to Mexico or something like that? I mean, what's any no idea? Well, the people out here are you know they're really gung ho about the border, which I sure sure do not agree with. But uh, you know, the town of the town of seventeen thousand people, and with just a huge government presence there, there's like training grounds and uh shooting ranges for military training mm-hmm. uh it's it's pretty easy to understand why they would want to start bringing more money into their system yeah they're yeah. just uh, they're sucking it all up there's so many they've got they've got themselves a little police state going on down there and that costs a lot of money sounds like they don't know any other way to make money uh, they just Tax feeders, man. Tax cows. So you can. So somebody who's in Maricopa County, uh, where uh, Judge, or excuse me, uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio is, considers <laughs> considers uh, Pinal County to be the the police state. That's very interesting. Actually, no, not not quite. Pinal County isn't nearly as bad as Maricopa County. Okay. Uh, these are the state of Arizona prisons that are there. So this is so kind of not just. Often, what you'll find is the the um, you know the state will put the prisons in places where you know the thing the economy is kind of depressed, and we're like, oh well, we'll give the rednecks some jobs being prison guards, and they'll open up the prison. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just saying that that's kind of how they do it. If you say so, and and well, it it, it tends to be that uh, that that's the way they go about it. So, would you say that that's kind of the case? Uh, yeah, that town really wasn't anything, as far as I know, before there were prisons there. Uh, it was an old mining town, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a ghost town. It continues to be one. So it's one of those uh, towns where it's almost entirely government bureaucrats working there. Yeah, I've I've been there. <clears throat> excuse me, I've been through there a few times because there's some nice desert out there. We go shooting out there, and we, we came across these uh, de- uh, 
the DHS detention center and like the the proving grounds and st- or not proving grounds but the firing ranges and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they've got they've got like uh, little uh, Afghani villages set up out there that have Farsi stop signs and everything. It's it's just it's weird. Whoa. It's surreal. Why? Well, as as practice? I I really don't know. I mean, uh, maybe they use it as like training like you know we're gonna train these people it's really hot here man it you know it's sonoran desert uh probably pretty close to iraq weather uh, uh not not quite sure what's going on out there it's weird stuff uh nick i appreciate the call and uh filling us in on whatever that is <laughs> thanks a lot 855-450-3733 let's go to uh fred in michigan fred hey fred hey there guys Hey, you're hey. on with uh, Mark hey. and Derek. Great. Uh, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 uh, created a international private corporate bankster gangster monopoly on the monetary system. And uh, the War of 1812 resulted because the, uh, at that time, patriotic, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, accountable government, said uh, no to the renewal of the charter of the, whatever it was called, First Bank of the United States. I thought it happened because Great Britain was conscribing uh, American seamen into their military. Well, that must have had a little bit to do with it, too. Okay. Um, As well as when the colonial populace had created their own currency, uh, and what was that currency? Pardon me? What was that currency? You know, I can't remember. I, so if they were colonial, wasn't that the United States? I mean, in 1812, you're talking about the United States. There wasn't a colonial. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was uh, talking about something else. Going back to okay. prior to the Revolutionary War. When, okay. You know, they had, uh, I don't know what, what, what it was they were using, but it was the continental? Well, ind- uh, independent of the, you know, the British pound sterling. I see. At one point, they were using certainly tobacco, but I don't know at uh, what time. Um, I mean, you know, the, the colonies used tobacco as uh, even to pay uh, oh, okay. pay their quit sure. rents and that so, kind of sort of thing. Why Why don't we just do – the last time I was politically active in 92, this Green Beret, Bo Greitz, I wish you guys would interview him sometime. He's got a book out called Called to Serve, Profiles and Conspiracies, and it's quite astonishing all the evidence he presents in fact. Okay, well, what he his his platform was about was implementing JFK's uh, programs where uh, there would be almost no interest loans to anybody who needed it, and um, he was going to terminate the Central Insurrection Agency, scatter it to the four winds. Of course, he had begun printing U.S. Treasury notes backed by silver dollars that were in circulation at the time, and then he was going to. He was going to also pull out of Vietnam. I'm sure he would have brought the troops home from around the world had he remained alive, which is what needs to be done now. And I think Ron Paul is advocating that. Yeah. Bring them all home. And uh, let's end all foreign aid. Uh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, let's recall the $20 trillion that Webster Tarpley at tarpley.net has identified as the actual bailout figure to the Wall Street bankster gangsters in their... 20 what? Europe, billion? Europe. 20 how 20 much? Trillion. 20 tor- trillion? 
That's a pretty big right. number. That's <laughs> I mean That's the amount of the, the bailouts? That's the that's real amount you're saying? Stunningly large number yeah, of yeah, that's a secret that, well, the secret bailout. Ask ask I've heard I've heard of sp- secret bailout numbers, but I've heard like one trillion dollars in secret bailout numbers. I mean I um I, a twenty trillion is a stunningly large number. I'm surprised it at is, it. it. I'm is. not gonna say even, it's not true. I can't even get my brain around one trillion. And indeed, I just I know how when you start looking at what the GDP is and then comparing what the bailout might have a twenty twenty trillion dollar bailout to that, um, it starts getting really large. But if you get to print the money and you don't have to uh, publish the M three, then it could really be M1. anything. They don't publish M one anymore. Is that right? Yeah, M1. I think I, I think it's M. Okay, maybe it's M three. Crazy anyway. guys. So what right. we got to do? Right. We got to get. Paying back the five hundred million, the the you know the Federal Reserve bankster gangsters paying back five hundred million bucks from nineteen thirteen, and then give a party with the polar bears. You know, let's well, see how well they can all swim with the polar. It's bears. great and everything, but you know, I mean, they seem to be pretty firmly entrenched. I I don't know. I, I, I the American people don't seem to be terribly excited about this whole Federal Reserve topic, and to some extent, it's getting co opted by you know like the likes of Michelle Bachman and. Uh, at Rick Perry, as I don't have much hope, but I, you know, I, I hope so, Fred. I, I agree. But anyway, thanks for putting the spotlight on that, Fred. Eight five five four five zero three seven three. Free talk live. 855 free. This is the live Labor Day edition of Free Talk Live. I, I know. I know. The rest of those guys, they're, t- they're taking time off. That's what the big guy, that's what the big talk show hosts do to you. Not you know? us. Yeah, indeed, not us. Free Talk Live, it's important to us to get you live content. It's one of the many reasons why we call this Free Talk Live and not the Derek and Mark show. That's true. Because the show is about... You know, calling in and talking about what you want to talk about, having somebody here who's, well, you know, has a liberty mindset, can talk about the the issues. And that's what Free Talk Live is really about. It's not about the hosts. So we can provide you live content seven days a week. Free Talk Live is live seven days a week, Monday through Sunday from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time at freetalklive.com and at many of the other uh, myriad of ways to listen to Free Talk Live. You can check out listen.freetalklive.com where we run it on down for you. Live streams, radio, satellite, webcams, listen lines. It's listen.freetalklive.com. Derek, I have a story here that I find, you know, sadly ordinary. Please share, Mark. Sadly ordinary. Why, why is that? Why do you find it sad that this is ordinary? What's going on? Courthousenews.com. Raleigh, North Carolina. A man was eating a taco at a Raleigh bus stop, says a, uh, says, he says a cop swept, kicked him to the ground, <gasps> broke his leg and arrested him, then hauled him before a judge who sentenced him to 30 days in jail for contempt because he couldn't stand up on his broken leg. Oh, no. Linwood Earl Artis, police officer James Roll, um, Rollins, Wake, uh, Wake County and, um, and its sheriff and others in federal court. I don't even know what that means. I didn't even say anything. Oh, Linwood Ar- Artis, he sued these people. Okay, he sued all these different people. Artis said that after buying his dinner at the Armadillo Grill, he quietly began to eat his taco, waiting for the bus, when Rollins approached Artis on foot and asked if a beer was his. 
Artist leaned forward and saw what appeared to be a discarded can of beer that had been concealed from his view by a newspaper rack. He said he told this okay. to artists. Why, officer, if that beer was mine, I'd be jo- enjoying it with my meal. And he resumed eating his taco. Right. He says Rollins asked him for ID, and then without either warning or being told he was under arrest, Rollins grabbed Artis by his still taco-bearing arm. No. And <laughs> um, it spun him around with great force, which pivoted Artis on his left leg and then sent the hapless taco flying. Rollins twisted Artis's arms behind his back, swept kicked Artis's legs from from the side, and threw him to the ground. All of Artis's weight was still on his left leg from being spun by Rollins, and Artis felt and heard his lower left leg sickeningly crack oh, when gross. Rollins swept kicked him. Artis adds that he was not in possession of a deadly weapon. He was, however, in, uh, in legal and actual possession of a taco, which Artis did not wield in any threatening manner. <laughs> Artis was taken to the Wake County Detention Center, where, unable to get out of his car on his own and um, at his own insistence, he was put into a wheelchair. He was charged with misdemeanor open container malt beverage and disorderly conduct. Apparently, they have misdemeanor container malt beverage. As opposed to the others. Then, um, wheeled before a magistrate at 10.10 p.m. on September the 11th, 2010... He said sheriff deputies continued to heckle him, and he was wheeled into court. They told him there was nothing wrong with him. Artis told the judge that he could not stand because his leg was broken. He was in serious and intense pain because of his shattered leg and was confused as to why he had been arrested, was extremely frustrated by the heckling, and that no one believed he was seriously hurt and that he was not getting urgently needed medical attention. It took the magistrate four minutes to find Artis in contempt of court and sentenced him to 30 days in jail with no bond. Artis said. Eleven minutes later, however, Bostrom agreed to set a bond of $1,000, according to the complaint. Artis spent the night in jail without medical attention. It says that several times during Artis' stay in the holding cell, he had to urinate on the floor where he lay because jailers would not bring him a wheelchair. I mean, this is a pretty sad circumstance when a man is uh, left with a... I mean, they're saying he's feigning his injury, but he's got to pee on himself. It seems like he probably meant it, if that was the case. How many people are willing to urinate on the floor in front of other people rather than just walk yourself over and stop faking an injury? I mean, he's not... Even with a broken leg, um, some people would probably try to get up and hop over. Right. Right, I'm not. I'm not convinced that he's faking. Yeah, I'm unconvinced. Well, you don't need convincing. Uh, in fact, nearly 12 hours after he was arrested, a nurse finally inspected his leg and observed that Artis's legs could not bear weight, and that his left knee and lower leg was swollen and deformed, and that oh. parasitia—that must be some medical thing that happens when it's broken—was noted. The nurse ordered him to be sent immediately to a hospital emergency room. Artis had pens inserted in his leg, awoke from surgery to find all of his belongings next to his hospital bed, and a nurse informed him that he was no longer in custody. He says that after uh, Officer Rollins refused to testify at the trial and that all charges were dropped with a note in the file stating that Rollins said he um, would not testify, this is the police officer, because he couldn't recall the incident. Artis seeks punitive damages for his false arrest, false imprisonment, battery, malicious uh, prosecution, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and destruction of a taco. He is represented by uh, whatever. And, you know, this looks like one of those instances. It looks like the contempt of cop. This cop didn't feel like this gentleman showed him enough deference. Set your beer there, boy. Oh, this is disgusting. I can't believe that any person would act this way, let alone someone who calls himself a peace officer, right? The, 
this type of behavior is unacceptable for anyone. Yeah. So I, I, I can't believe the officer – did I hear this correctly? He doesn't recall the incident where he spun and basically drop kicked a person, broke his leg. Doesn't remember that. That's the claim. I mean, it just I don't happens so for... often that he just, you know, oh, it's all a blur. I, I, I don't believe it for a second either. Um, I mean, I think that it's uh, nonsense and it's them trying to get out of a situation where they know they're screwed. They, you know, they broke the guy's leg, not taking him to the ground, and then they sentenced him. Remember, he wasn't sentenced. For the beer, he wasn't sentenced for any of this. He was sentenced for contempt of court for not standing before the his pious magistratedness. That is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And and I don't even think there's a way that a, that the justice system could uh, pay him retribution for this. Even if they paid him fifty thousand dollars, what's that coming from? The taxpayer. They right, don't sure. have they don't have money. Uh, the court itself, so they have to take it from other people. Well, the, the court has money. Cu- well, they have they to. They do. The, the officer makes money, and the judge makes money. These guys really could compensate this guy. You well, know, personally, if, right? But it's of, still coming from the people, right? And why know. should they? Why should the people have to? bear the brunt of the officer's mistakes. Well, the, if, if, the pay, if the people are going to pay the judge $100,000 a year, whether the judge uh, has a fine or not, if the judge was fined $10,000 for this, I'll bet he wouldn't care so much the next time somebody didn't stand before him. And frankly, I don't understand why anybody has to stand for a judge at all. Absolutely I mean, right. The judge, when I get up and um, you know get up for whatever reason in the courtroom, the judge the judge doesn't stand for me. None of these other people stand for me. Why does the judge get people standing for him? I know it's respect for the court, but why? I mean, this isn't 12th century England. The serfs don't have to doff their hats to the Lord any longer. This is here, here. absolute insanity, and it doesn't make any sense. The only reason it's around is because nobody seems to think it's an important issue, and I, I, I hear that's fine. That's fine and dandy, but it's an important issue to artists who well, got his freaking leg broken and then got sentenced to 30 days and then had to lay in a holding cell peeing on himself for two, 12 hours. I mean, you can say it's not an important issue to stand for a judge, but until people stand for these little issues, things like this are going to continue to happen. And the big ones, I mean, you, the, the people in the government walk all over you because you defer to them. Right. I, I People may call this a little issue, but I think any issue that involves human relationships is a big issue, right? Because it all comes down to how we're relating to one another. Yep. And if, if there's a man who's demanding that I stand for him or that artist stands for him despite a broken leg, I mean, that's just not a way to carry on your life relating with other people and this whole story is about people wearing silly costumes demanding certain attention because artist was eating his taco just by himself and you know there happened to be a beer can somewhere near him the cop comes up and you know treats him you know asks him hey is that your beer can and artist is just you know gives him kind of a flippant answer that if that was my beer i'd be drinking it and you know, the cop didn't like that. He didn't like how he was treated. The judge didn't like how he was treated. It's all these pompous, officious bureaucrats that are the problem. And then who started the violence, right? It was the yeah. state. Yeah. I, who I, initiated the violence. It's not like it, he, this guy was... Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. And it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit weusecoins.org. Your dollars are going down, 
Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Do you want to? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency. It's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more about Bitcoins, visit WeUseCoins.org. Watch the video over there. It's WeUseCoins.org. Derek, we are reading this article about uh, what happened to a man named Linwood Earl Artis. And he was eating a taco. And a cop comes up to him and says something to the effect of, you know, is that your beer there? I guess there was a discarded beer can. You know, if I was, for instance, charged with uh I don't know, maybe drunk driving for every or uh, I guess it would be uh, possession of a open beverage. What's that term? A malt beverage? No, no. The, uh, when, you, when you have a open, open container, open container, if I was charged with open container for every uh, beer can that was out in front of my property where I live, I would be charged a lot of times. A lot of people drive by, toss beer cans out um, you know, along the road. When I walk out there, I always pick them up, uh, you know, keep my little section of the highway clear because I don't want. You know, I don't want a dirty section of my house, I guess. Um, But the idea that they would the cop would give this guy trouble about a beer that was nearby. I mean, we could you could probably figure out if it's his beer by checking it for condensation. It's seriously. It sounds like this is the uh, litter Nazis now. Like they're just coming around. Oh, you know, hey, there's some litter over there. That must be yours. And if you disagree or you show me contempt, then I'm putting you in jail and breaking your leg. Right. What? And I think this is what it was all about. This was all about contempt. Um, Yeah, he didn't like the way he was treated. He was he just felt like he was talked back to. Right. This judge or this this cop. uh, You know the what artist said when the cop asked him uh, if. This was his uh, beer here. It says, uh, quietly began eating his taco. The Rollins approached Artis um, on foot and asked if the beer was his. If a beer was his, an artist leaned forward, saw what happened uh, to be a discarded beer can that had been concealed from his view by a newspaper rack. He told Rollins, why, officer, if that beer were mine, I'd be enjoying it with my meal and resumed eating his taco. And the, the this is a situation where the cop did not feel that uh, the, the man was properly afeard of him. And showed him proper deference. And so he beat him up, broke his leg, took him to the judge. Then basically all the cops said, this guy isn't hurt. He's faking it. And the judge believed them. And he essentially beat him up, too. You know, the guy couldn't stand for him. So he gave him 30 days in jail. And and what in this cop's mind would have been the right way to respond to his stupid question? I mean, not a stupid answer with with just total fear. Oh, or- I'll just I'll bow down to you. What like what could this artist have done that that would have made this cop not violent? Right. Right. It sounds like he came up there with a chip on his shoulder. Well, you know, I mean, there's a certain uh, segment of the population in the uh, the law enforcement community that got in there because. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I I don't know this to be true. I've looked this story up. I got no pictures. I'm going to say that Linwood Earl Artis is black. 
And I'm gonna mm. just by I'm just gonna guess the name here, um, and then I'm and I'm just going to to uh, assume, and there I have nothing upon which to uh, debase this that James Rollins is not, and maybe he has that uh, you know thing going on too. But certainly there's an issue of contempt going on. This is an issue where this guy, this Rollins fellow, believes that he should be deferred to because he is a a, a cop. He's a tough guy, and um, you know this this guy said nope, not my beer. Went back to doing whatever he was doing, and that wasn't good enough for this well, cop. As long as as long as we're speculating about this, the the racism thing, I, I think it could have also just as easily been an ageist thing, where uh, artist been. could be a young man and Rollins not so much, and he wanted to see proper respect uh, for. His elder, right? Yeah, we are totally going into the realm of speculation here. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think it's difficult, but it's clearly what appears to be an issue of not giving what the police officer felt was uh, sufficient respect, and clearly that was the the issue with the the judge too. And then when these cowards, these wimps, these little little sad men, got <laughs> caught because his leg really was broken, right? They immediately clammed up and acted like little wusses. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, th- I don't know if I, that I, happened. He, oh. he didn't remember the incident. Uh, the the guy's stuff what, was who? put next to him at the 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 hospital, and they just ran away. And they don't they wanted to all go away. Now, artist is suing, and I think that he should. But the sad part is, is that it, he's, he's going to get taxpayer money if if you know these people are found uh, guilty. Um, they're he's not going to get. Their money. Hopefully, he uses a private mediator rather than well, the gonna, justice system. Yeah, the, 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 the the courts, the the city or the state or whomever he's uh, suing is never going to enter into private arbitration with um with you. You have to take them through their uh their their court systems. Well, and that should it's be the a final. Clue. Well, I think he's he's probably going to win. He's probably going to get a settlement. Because this is such an egregious situation, they didn't run away scared because they were right. I think he's going to get some money, but he really should be getting it from them. The judge, the police officer, those guys should be, you know, I'll bet, I, I don't know what artists, um, you know, I, I don't know what artists wants to get as far as a, um, as a settlement here. But if you just took 10% of those guys pay and out for and one year, that seems to me, plus, of course, you got to pay for his hospital bills, whatever those might have been. Right. Um, that. But I, that seems to me like a good penalty. Suddenly, they would straighten right up. This judge wouldn't be all upset about uh, people standing in his courtroom uh, standing in his courtroom when he comes in. And, and I really wonder, I mean, you know, is it so hard to imagine a world where people don't stand up when a judge enters a room? Well, it it doesn't happen in daily life, right? Like you don't just you don't stand up when your grandfather enters the room it's or someone else who you respect. You know, it's it is rare, and no one tips a hat anymore. Right. <laughs> so standing that's that's an even bigger act than tipping your hat. So right. I really don't see where this fits into daily life. It's not an appropriate action for anyone to be taking. Many of the activists here have uh, chosen to take on uh, standing in courtrooms, and I don't stand for judges. It's against my uh, religion. There was an instance recently where uh, Ian Freeman, our normal first chair host here, who's on uh, where it's the Ian Freeman incarceration count up, and we are on day 27. So uh, it could go to 60. It could go to 90. It's somewhere in there. But. I I had to the, the judge passed down this edict that essentially if you wanted to be in the courtroom you had to stand. Some people chose not to be in the courtroom as a result. 
I felt I had to be there in case Ian went to jail, and he did, so that I could report to people what happened in the courtroom. And there was, you know, some, as far as I'm concerned, several miscarriages of justice that we could go over if uh, if, if somebody really, you know, wanted to know. But the you know, the, they had to bring in these cops. They brought in several cops, armed people, into the courtroom um, to just stand there and make sure that uh, everybody stood. Well, they kicked people out, too, yeah, they for, sure for not standing. And they were threatening. They wouldn't let them have anything written on the. You know, if your shirt had something written on it, you had to wear it, turn it inside out. You, um, you know, anybody with a hat had to, to doff their hat. Um, you know, and, and these kind of things. And I just wonder: is the it, would the world would America be so harmed if we just got rid of these stupid rules, stupid little things they made up a thousand years ago? That's not how people need to treat each other. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Answer the question for me. Would it be so crazy? Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Labor Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Derek, happy Labor Day. (laughs) You know, a lot of people would do, uh, you know, Labor Day stuff here. And I I wonder whether um, it's... I always wonder about this situation. I, I believe labor unions are legitimate. I believe people should be able to, to get into groups if they want. There's sure. nothing wrong with that. Freedom of association. Indeed. I, it's when those groups use the power of government that it bothers me. Well, yeah, nobody has the right to initiate force. Indeed. And that's when it, what it comes down to. So when labor unions you know, say that the only way that employees can, say, bargain with their employer is through a labor union or that uh, they pass some kind of law that says that 50 percent plus one of uh, the people, you know, uh, in a workplace vote to institute a labor union and in a uh, and they can't use a blind ballot you know and all these other rules that they'll come up with in order to make it easier for them to get their foot in the door i think that though all those things are wrong um I, well so what do you see labor unions doing just being a force for negotiation i yeah i would think that that's really what it is i mean you need to for one um people, non-violent negotiation non-violent negotiation <laughs> yeah stipulate. like people the, the issues need to be important enough that people would want to stick together and uh, you know have a certain level of solidarity you know um, we want decaf in the break room i'm not thinking that that's a that's an issue that people really need to get together and really um you know get excited about you know people's we want uh, working conditions where we don't get our hands sawed off yeah like those are the kind of things that people might be able to get together on um, employers have used violence in the past too, and the violence of the state in order to prevent labor labor unions from uh, you know negotiating with people That's and right. things like that. And, and you know all of these, it's a sordid history in the past of uh, people you know using the state against each other. What I think of for Labor Day is I think of people who have worked hard to build 
a better life for themselves and others here on planet Earth, whether it's in America or elsewhere. In America, it has been easier traditionally for people to work hard and see the fruits of their labor than it has been in a lot of places. But I think it's getting harder. Yeah, well, certainly it's it's harder to labor in America, especially if you want to labor freely. I mean, you, I like Labor Day celebrating the ability of the average person to be able to make something of himself and to work uh, towards goals that he's set. But not when you have to sign up for Social Security and Medicare taxes and, and all the rest of the taxes, fill out W-2s just to have the right to work. Like, get out of here. That's that's nothing to celebrate. Right. So, you know, here on Free Talk Live, I would like to send out a Labor Day thank you to Alex, who is working uh, there in, uh, you know, in the, I guess it's Elgin, um, Minnesota, who uh, working at GCN because, you know. What we do here, Derek, this isn't work. This is fun. Talk on the radio. <laughs> Alex, he's got to come in from whatever life he's got out there, push buttons for uh, for us, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Yep. And thanks to everybody who's out there working today doing you know real work. <laughs> and about those call-in lines at 855-450-3733, SACL CAI brings them to you. And SACL CAI is a company that handles... Uh, accounts receivable for businesses it is uh, owned and operated by jason osborne a big supporter of free talk live big supporter of liberty and if you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of accounts receivable try SACL cai they'll do well for you you can see their banner at freetalklive.com lots of hard-working folks there at SACL cai that will uh, treat your customers with the respect that they deserve and that will uh, best serve your business it's SACL CAI, freetalklive.com, and you can see their banner on the right-hand side of the page, along with, well, one of the biggest uh, websites in talk radio dumb. Let's go on to a, a different story, shall we, Derek? Let's! <laughs> so, apparently, there was a situation at the U.S. Customs border thing here where Uh-oh. a race car driver wasn't let through. Why is that? Swiss race car driver Simona de Silvestro told reporters on Thursday that being able to get into Baltimore was the best birthday present she could get. Hmm? De Silvestro must not have been in Baltimore before or else the border snafu she suffered last week was much more traumatizing than even imaginable. De De Silvestrino, sorry if I'm getting this name wrong, Silvestro tried to come into the United States last week to participate in the IndyCar race in Sonoma, California. An agent working for U.S. Customs became concerned over, get this, Derek, frequent trips from country to country no. that the 23-year-old racer had been taking as of late. I don't know about that. <laughs> You're trying to travel places. I don't think that's very Your passport safe. passport has stamps on it. How dare you? You travel to too many countries. You must be getting stuff done. Silvestro tried to explain herself. The official refused to believe that she was, the woman was in fact a professional racer. Now, people will suggest that, you know, we too often on this show point to prejudices on the side of bureaucrats. I'm wondering here if this bureaucrat was prejudiced against this San Simona de Silvestro because she was a woman and they didn't think that a woman could in fact be an Indy car driver. I definitely think that's the case. Now, I mean, they, they said they didn't believe that she was a race car driver, right? Yes. Well, 
I tend to be, um, uh, you know, have a certain presuppositions in my life. And one of those suppositions is that stupid, lazy people can be attracted to jobs like this, like this custom thing where they just kind of surly people that, and, and, and even it will take a, I think that these jobs will take people that are even good folks and turn them a little surly just because it's dealing with the bureaucracy day in and day out. It's the environment sucks you're in. your soul. But what kind of idiot would tell what, what kind of woman would tell you that she's a professional indie car driver if she was some kind of a terrorist or b drug dealer that's something you can google uh, he, he could have just looked it up he could have <laughs> if that's what he had chosen to do and it, we're assuming it was a he that did that um i, I think so the official refused to believe that uh, the woman was a professional race car they're not, they're not making it clear here and i don't remember it from later in the story whether or not it was a male I, I'll take that. I, I would guess that's the case. So they could have looked her up if that's what they wanted to do and provide excellent customer service for their customer base. But eh, this isn't really their customer base. Their customer base is the people on up the line. They don't work for you and me. They work for you know people in the bureaucracy. Right. They're not incentivized by customers. But try to imagine how – I mean, come on. What kind of dumb drug dealer lady would tell you she's an indie car driver? Seriously, what was his real concern? Like, oh, no, is this an international prostitute? Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, what, why is she traveling? And uh, that there's no reason for, for that. And if he was really concerned that she was a drug dealer, I mean, he could have – done some sort of search i can't even imagine what, what well he was his, thinking right? uh precisely just he didn't like the answer once again we're dealing with an official here that didn't feel that their authority was being <laughs> respected excuse me young lady you expect me to believe that an attractive woman 23 years old is an indie car driver what kind of fool do you take me for i, I baltimore think maryland yeah i mean he thought he was dreaming I you couldn't believe it. This beautiful woman just just trying to get through. I'm gonna hold her up for a little while longer. She's got. Uh, I don't. I don't know what uh, Simona looks like here. Um, she's got the helmet on and and that kind of thing. But you know, I mean, the, <laughs> this to me. It's just so pathetic. They could have looked her up online if that's really what you wanted to do. But instead, this. Un- unaccountable bureaucrat has brought right. down upon themselves and, and upon their agency more, uh, uh, you know, just uh, people. You know, I mean, how can people take, even take this seriously? It's totally. First of all, they're totally unaccountable, and second of all, how do you make retribution for this? Like, they didn't let her in Baltimore, right? And that's where she had a race. I think to she, go uh, Sonoma, California. I think she was taking a flight from Baltimore to Sonoma. I'm just guessing. Okay, so she was she was trying to fly. And they said, no, you can't fly because you're suspicious. Is that, is that the story that I'm getting here? It. Um, yeah, I, I can finish the, the story up here in just a minute, but that's really what it boils down to. Unbelievable. 855-450-3733. Are, are these customs officials not doing enough to keep us safe? As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com.
Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Labor Day edition with Mark. And Derek. <laughs> it just tickles me. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to bring you some of the best prices that we know of on the Internet for gold and silver. It's important to buy low so that you can sell high. Um, you know, This is the most important aspect of the um, investment that you can control is what you pay. So go to gold.freetalklive.com. Not only are you getting some of the best prices available on the Internet – in gold and silver, but you're helping to support Free Talk Live. You're helping to support GCN, which uh, brings you Free Talk Live in many ways. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to this story about this uh, this this race car driver, Simona de Silvestro, and she apparently got stopped at the Baltimore airport, and uh, the, the the incredulous. A customs official wouldn't let her into the country because he, just, that person could not believe that uh, she was a professional race car driver. Instead didn't of respect his authority. That's right. Instead of uh, hearing her out, the U.S. official official sent the Silvestro back to Switzerland and said she had to stay there for two months. She remained optimistic, however, and joked with reporters at Speed.com, "I should go enjoy some time at uh, at home anyway." Officials have since overturned the ban, and De Silvestro landed in Washington, D.C.'s Dulles Airport on Friday, only hours before she was expected to begin practice runs. She's scheduled to race in the Baltimore Indy Car Brand Prix this weekend. Uh, De Silvestro didn't want to go into the whole um, into the whole order to reporters, saying that it's too complicated. But it, it shouldn't happen again. It was just an official being difficult about nothing. It was all a big misunderstanding. And, you know, I, she, she is being very generous to this person. But when you're talking about, say, I'm just guessing that uh, an 80 car driver makes a lot of money. Um, yeah, I would think so. I, you know, maybe this isn't true. With the promotions on, on their cars, you would think that that's how they make their bank. I, if, I was, <laughs> if I was doing that job, I mean, which seems extraordinarily dangerous, I would expect to be paid well. But people often expect radio talk show hosts to be paid well. And <laughs> Derek, what am I paying you? Uh, no, I'm not ready to okay, disclose zero. that information. <laughs> and I'm, you know, by no means making a huge paycheck. This is news to me, Mark. <laughs> you, said, you said something about my voice tickling you I, I thought that was a promise for later but you caught <laughs> okay, jokes i love them so any silvestro here is being generous to this person but if you can imagine what this might have been like for somebody else what it would have cost them in time and money i mean silvestro just when you get a ticket and you haven't had a month to plan ahead it costs a lot of money I mean, you, that ticket that you pay a hundred. Well, we're talking about going from uh, Baltimore to Switzerland. I'm just guessing that's two thousand dollar plane ticket. Maybe that's, I'm going out on a limb I here. That's a bit high. You think so? Yeah. Like bought day of. Yeah, I would. I would still. I would ballpark uh, eight hundred to a thousand. Okay, I, I would th- think eight hundred to a thousand if you bought it ahead. I would think that. Uh, okay, you think I'm, so? I'm, I'm right. re- I don't have much experience buying day of. So. Yeah, day buying day of is a you know a great way to get screwed. <laughs> you oh, know, um, it's so. I, I, I'm 
I, I'm thinking to her, she's thinking, well, discretion, better part of valor. Don't want to mess with these uh, these, these Americans who might feel like I'm uh, being Dixie. I'm Dixie chicking them by saying that right. this is, that I've been treated poorly here. You know, a lot of my audience comes are Americans. I don't want to offend them. So she has to keep a good face for PR, right? So she doesn't want to like criminalize this guy who mistreated her. Yeah, I mean, and she doesn't want to shine a light on what really happened. You know, firing this dude. It's not going to change things. It doesn't change the incentives. (laughs) When you give this customs agent the ability to send somebody home because, well, they didn't feel like their answer was good enough. And, you know, what I feel the high crime here was is that they didn't bother to even check. He just, you know, instead of going and giving this person a a laptop computer where they can quickly, um, you know, check some of this information. A lot of things can be checked online these days. He could have checked on his phone. Yeah, if if he had it, yeah. I mean, you know, different people have different uh, different phone plans, but indeed that's the case. Imagine how much more justified he would feel if he would have gone and checked and been right. Well, I don't see here your name under IndyCar Racer. Well, don't you think under like a free market of uh, airports or airlines rather took care of their own security that that's the type of scanning they would do? Oh, you're a race car driver. All right. Well, well let me check a, that out. This isn't actually have- airline security. Interestingly, this, this is country security. This is customs. Oh, this is the guy you go to who's like, you know, did you pack your own bags? That sort of thing. And like, this, where are you traveling? I, I, don't, I don't know specific. I've only been through customs a few times. It's been some time. But these are the bureaucrats that decide whether or not you get in the country, not whether right. or not you get on the plane. Yes. Okay. And um, so this is why it's, you know, such a sticky situation is, you know, nations all over have these people that are supposedly keeping folks safe. It is so crappy. And what. In fact, they do is they make it more difficult for people to get in the the country, spend tourists, spend money. People come there to to work and make money. I I, I just think we, we we'd be so much better off with fewer of these people. I don't think they really solve much. No, they're not solving any problems. They they are not. I mean, do they even report how many criminals they've stopped? Well, customs, I'm sure they've, be they've been around a very long time. I imagine they've found a lot of stuff uh, throughout but the years. Anything that any person with two eyes to see and, and two ears to hear could, couldn't could detect? I'll, I mean, I'll bet they found a lot of things in bags that uh, that they could call bad, whether they were drugs or guns or whatever it is that they might have uh, uh, found. You know, the, the terrorist is trying to sneak in this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, to some extent, this comes down to the situation where, hey— we probably wouldn't have as much terrorism if we didn't have, um, you know, our country, our military, and all over the world. But even if you just put in a situation where, hey, this person, if they're wrong, here's what I think you could do. The one step you could take is I think the government officials need to be responsible for their actions. So this well, official, whom is not being held responsible for their actions, should have been responsible for paying this person's airline flight back. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess and, – and one here, too, because uh, because they wouldn't have had to make the second trip. So it, it was a basically a round trip that the, they, they, they caused with their big mistake. Rather than choosing to check these things out – they were in, you know, they made that big mistake. And if they made some kind of big mistake where they let, um, you know, some obvious terrorist through, they should be responsible for that too. You're here, and it, he can't give back the hours of her life that he stole. Yeah. So the I mean, money and the hours, sure. At, at least a retribution in the form of a financial payment would would be uh, necessary. It'd be a big step say. in the right direction. Right. She might very well um, waive it, but. You know, if if this person gets caught, and this is the only reason they're getting caught is because this is an IndyCar driver. 
if this person did this to somebody else and like I'm just guessing that the kind of person that would send the IndyCar uh, lady back would do it to other people. How many people has they have they sent back unjustly? Mm. Well, these aren't real Americans. They ain't real people. We can do whatever we want with them. Disgusting. So, I can't believe that there there's no accountability for these types of people. It, it, indeed. And, and you know, even in this circumstance, no accountability. This racer's being kind and generous because it's in her best interest to not, um, you know, upset any ultra naturalist, nationalist, jingoist uh, Americans that might be, um, you know, fond of her as a racer. And this bureaucrat who you know, took all this time and energy and money, um, you know, I mean, how, how many carbon credits is this a result of if, if that's your uh, you oh, know boo. view of the world you know i mean <laughs> Gross. The, the you know how how many how much how many fossil fuels were burned getting her back and forth to the united states because of this nonsense well i definitely think it's a waste of capital it, I, it I certainly mean, is if if uh, carbon credits aren't your game I, I think it's a malinvestment of resources i would encourage this simona de silvestro to speak out a little more about uh, the incident to get to the bottom of really what happened i, I want to know and if uh she's worried about her pr or something because americans will turn against her i i think she'd be mistaken because i think a lot of Amer- americans are upset with the bureaucracy at the airport i i think a lot of them are um but often people don't care about what happens to um, other folks and you know the for the furners she has you know, fans she has fans i think that might make make the difference and by the way you you said that she was pretty and i looked up pictures and she certainly is oh she's a, she's a pretty girl well of course she is. yeah but i mean you know i i don't think that it should matter <laughs> frankly <laughs> she could be a uh, horse-faced for um for all that matters i mean she has uh rights that are due due to her but well, i was saying that because i suspected that the person at the uh airport wanted to just keep her there longer and just enjoy the pretty face i apparently they they sent her off without even checking out the, um, uh, you know, checking out her story on the internet, which I thought, by the way, was brilliant. I didn't consider that as an option, but it certainly is. Uh, They've got computers in front of them. Why yeah. not? Yeah. I, I, maybe they would think that. Maybe they wouldn't. Who knows? But um, you'd think. think if the computer was there, maybe she would think of it. Look me up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> She could have shown him on her phone. Right. If if some government bureaucrat didn't believe, for whatever reason, I'm a radio talk show host, yeah? Well, let's go online real quick. <laughs> I got my picture. I'll show you. There's accountability. Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. And now it's time for the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute with tips and advice on controlling your emotions so they don't control you. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. I have some really, really good news for you today. You don't have to let feelings rule your life. That's right. You heard me. You don't have to let feelings rule your life. We all have feelings, but we don't have to let them have us. There's a great saying that goes like this. Feelings are much like waves. We can't stop them from coming, but we can choose which ones to surf. I want to encourage you not to wait to see how you feel before you decide to enjoy your day, but rather make a decision to enjoy it no matter how you feel and no matter what your circumstances may be. You make sure you roll over them and they don't rule over you. For the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information to help you control your own emotions so they don't control you, please visit Joyce Meyer. That's M-E-Y-E-R dot org. 
The average person has 70,000 thoughts every day, and many of those thoughts trigger a corresponding emotion. In Living Beyond Your Feelings, Joyce Meyer examines the gamut of feelings that human beings experience. She discusses the way that the brain processes and stores memories and thoughts. Then, emotion by emotion, she explains how we can manage our reactions to those emotions. Living Beyond Your Feelings, the newest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here. The live Labor Day edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. This is uh, the show that uh, we, we take we take your calls and we'll, we'll talk about whatever you'd like. Free Talk Live's a completely interactive program and the website's completely interactive too. Go over there. You can, uh, well, you can in- interact with other people through the you know the the chat lines there at cam.freetalklive.com you can uh load stories and vote up other people's stories and vote them down and you know whatever you want to do it's it, the website is expansive and made to serve you it's freetalklive.com it's mark and derek and i can't stop laughing when you do that the uh, <laughs> it's quite straighten my bow tie while yeah, yeah, while got I a say bow tie it. on it's not like you see those things every day okay. so, <laughs> i now, Derek, um, there's a story out of Baltimore from here from rawstory.com that uh, I found kind of interesting. Another Baltimore story? This is another one that we were just uh, Gosh, talking about. That city. That you, well, um, it, it is a pretty high crime rate there in it's Baltimore. bad enough. It smells like burnt tires everywhere in that city. I don't know. I didn't like Baltimore much when I was there. Um, but I did have darn fine, uh, some darn fine crab cakes outside of Baltimore, yeah, that's, Maryland. that's true. They do have wonderful food there. <laughs> Their seafood is exquisite. But I, when I, Baltimore, the city itself, did nothing for me. I, I really did not dig the city of Baltimore. John Waters, though, gets a, gets a huge plug for being from Baltimore. And, and pushing Baltimore's uh, theater and uh, movie scene. I see. Um, the I'm th- I'm thinking that I've, I've heard that Baltimore has one of the highest crime rates in the United States too. That could definitely be true. So um, you know, not to, to me, not an attractive, but particularly attractive place. But if you're not a criminal, <laughs> you'd want to go someplace where the competition isn't so stiff. Oh, well, that's true too. The American Civil Liberties Union of Maryland on Wednesday filed a lawsuit against the Baltimore City Police Department on behalf of a man whose personal videos were deleted after he filmed officers subduing and arresting a woman. Uh. So what happened here and what happens in so many cases is somebody, you know, people people are using their the video on their cameras so much uh, so much more often to videotape interesting things that happen in life and among interesting right. things are arrests. Yeah. And among arrests, the most interesting are ones where the cops really go overboard. Well, and they don't like that. They don't like being held to account. They don't like that their job is shown, um, you know, doing these things. I think that if, you know, the situation is a person, you know, is being violent with the police, that people aren't going to have a problem with peace, people being with the police being violent with them. But the problem that they're going to have is when the police overreact um, and, you know, like punch people. I I mean, there's a video on the Internet of some guy punching some some cop, punching some gal in the face. Right. She hasn't done anything. Um, You know, he grabs her arm, punches her in the face. It was it's stunning. Thank goodness there's video of that, though. 
because right, now he's, she said, he's held accountable. If she said that he didn't, that he did it, and he said he didn't, there would be no, nothing. And so often the video doesn't hold people to account anyway. Um, but it's nice to have it because it's sort of the preponderance, and I think that it incentivizes the police to be, you know, uh, more judicious in their use of force. Yeah, finally an incentive that's going to hold police accountable and and not act like violent thugs. So here it says here, police officers doing um, doing their jobs in public areas are accountable to the public they serve, and camera phones have become an important accountability tool, said ACL legal director uh, Deborah Jeon. Deborah Jeon, it's antithetical to a democracy for the government to tell its citizens that they do not have the right to record what government officials say or do or how they behave in public. You're here. The lawsuit alleges Christopher Sharp was detained and harangued by police officers after he had recorded the arrest. He handed over his phone to officers after being told to surrender it as evidence. Once the cell phone was in the officer's possession, they deleted the video of the arrest and all the other videos contained on the cell phone. Criminal. That's his property. Well, it's that and they claimed it was evidence. So, well, so what? What does that claim mean? Well, if it was evidence of a crime, then they destroyed evidence. Oh, that makes them felons. Oh. <laughs> wow, so, double standard. Yeah, let me um, let's step down here real quick. This is the uh, sh- show about your calls. Let's go to Lamar in jail. Lamar. Yeah, how you doing, Mark? All's well. Hi, Lamar. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I wanted to say, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm Ian's cellmate. Okay. How'd you get on the line? I got on the phone. But the phone is always a collect call. Yeah, it's a collect call. This is a collect call? Sure. Okay, go on with the story. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah, on. I just wanted to do something nice for him. Uh, what was it? And, uh, I wanted to do something nice for him. And what was that? You know, he's my cellmate. Uh-huh. But, uh, and I wanted to, you know... Ask you, how can I get that boy to eat something? (laughs) (laughs) He, believe it or not, does eat. Uh, He just he just has a high metabolism, and he's he's one of those skinny guys. He really needs to to lift some weights if he wants to. Yeah, get him working out. The body of a of God. What I can do. All right, Lamar. Thanks. Thanks for for calling in. (laughs) I just knew that was going to be some kind of sodomy call, but apparently they didn't. You know, jail, and that was just one of the first things people think of. Apparently not. Maybe I scared him off with catching him on the, uh, the, the collect call thing. Oh, that's that. <laughs> For those that don't know, um, you know, those uh, coming in on uh, our number, uh, the, our number three here, Free Talk Live, Ian Freeman, the normal first host of the show, is uh, on his, I believe, 27th day in the can for standing in front of a police car because he believed that a woman was being arrested unjustly. And um, he got 90 days for that. And it was, well, I guess there were three other people who did it, and they all got zero. So I tend to kind of feel like maybe they went after him because they felt like he was the leader or something. Let it me go certainly on. looks like they're going after him if they didn't charge other people with the same crime. They, they And they also called uh, him like the leader of Freaking. Yeah, so. they actually used those words. That's a yeah. little, that's silly. So let's go uh, back to this story here uh, from Um I'm heartbroken over the videos I lost of my son and I doing things together, Sharp said. The videos are keepsakes of memories like his soccer and basketball games, times at the beach and the Howard County Fair. It kills me that the police acted like as if it was okay for them to just wipe out some of my fondest memories. I used to trust police, but now I don't anymore because of how wrongly the police acted here and because it seemed like it was just routine procedure for them. During the 2010 incident, and 
Plimico race course in Baltimore. A 22-year-old woman allegedly punched another uh, person in the face and then punched a police officer in a resisted arrest. She was charged with three counts of secondary assault and one of a count of resisting arrest. And I don't think anybody would hold – I don't think too many people – enough people would hold cops responsible for um, – you know, abusing force on a person who had done this stuff. If, if she didn't want to be arrested and she was punching people and stuff like that, isn't that what a taser's for? Isn't that what... Ew. Uh, I, Hopefully I, not. I, well, what are you supposed to do? I'd hold her arm behind her back or something? If you can do that, I mean, but frankly, you can dislocate somebody's arm just as easily doing that. I mean, you could break their, you know, you can break their arm just as easily. What about as, a net? What happened to the days of Scooby-Doo, like, using a net? <laughs> I don't know if we do law enforcement Can't we with just nets. be nicer? <laughs> I think that there, uh, you know, I think that we need better technology. I agree with you that there, it would be really great if they could come up with the technology where um, they you know, could subdue somebody without harming them. And I think that that was some of the intention behind the taser. Um, and usually a taser doesn't have long lasting effects, like say wrenching somebody's arm too far behind their back. Ken, I, I don't, I only support the use of tasers. If <clears throat> you're dealing with somebody who cannot be subdued, obviously you need to try to talk them out of uh, their, their tirade. But if, if for instance, it's a racetrack, right? Like maybe she drank way too many mint juleps. Mm. Sometimes you're dealing. You know, she's punched a couple of people in the face at this point. Uh, she's out drunk, out of her gourd. I don't know what you do with that person. I, and, and Euphoria you, stun gun. What's that? Euphoria stun gun. It's, it's the only kind of science fiction. No, well, I, I think it's it should soon be created because that's the only way that you could actually subdue someone and it wouldn't be Laughing hurtful gas. to them. Yeah. yeah, I see. And it wouldn't be a waste of their time either because they would be happy. I would think that yes, as as we can get better technology that uh, you know provides more humane ways of uh, subduing people, I think we should do that. But I think that the first and foremost thing you need to do is subdue people that are being violent. And frankly, I believe that that's true for government officials and uh, free people. So I, what I often see is that the government officials don't hold themselves to the same standard. Absolutely not. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. Spendbitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From spendbitcoins.com, you can spend your bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend bitcoins, go to spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Labor Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Derek! <laughs> oh, God. So, how big is the debt crisis, really? Prepare to be dumbfounded. Go to learnliberty.org slash FTL. See Anthony Davies' explanation of the magnitude of the U.S. debt. It's a little over a minute long, and it's stupefying. You've got to see this video. There's so many other great videos there. As a matter of fact, uh, another good one is uh, Professor Angela Dill's Incentives Matter. Go to learnliberty.org slash FTL. Check out these videos. They're ones that I have hand-picked myself. 
with the purpose of giving a foundation of the ideas of liberty to people and economics. And while you're there, check out the Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side of the page. It is a course for people that want free online continuing education, economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. That's FTL as in a free talk live, as you might have guessed. When you see those videos, you're probably going to want to share them on Facebook and that kind of thing. The more people that see these videos, the better off we all are. So going back to this story, um, and this really could have happened anywhere, the ACLU suing, uh, suing the Baltimore Police Department excuse me, for some of its officers deleting every, every video on a man's phone for videoing arrest. And, I, you know, here in New Hampshire, the ACLU has been basically asleep at the wheel on this, uh, on this issue. And I don't know. It's because the people in the ACLU don't like folks in the liberty movement. I've found this to what? be, I've found this to be uh, the case in some instances. Um, for instance, the, uh, the the I think it was the Jefferson One um, case from a couple of years ago. Remember the Jefferson Dance Party? Yes. The Jefferson Dance Party was occurred because um, a judge ruled a couple of years afterwards that this woman who was arrested for basically asking questions um, at a uh, at the Jefferson Memorial, they you know some people went to do some silent dancing at the Jefferson Memorial to celebrate Jefferson's birthday. It was like a right. Sunday evening or something like that at midnight. Sounds like a nice event. Yeah. I mean, it's open to the public at all times. People can come there and, and memorialize Jefferson or whatever it is they do. I think, imagine during the day it's covered in kids that are running all over the place and screaming. And, yes. You know, doing, their, doing their stuff. But, you know, the, the park service people didn't like them being there. And this young lady basically just asked too many questions. That's what she got. She got charged for dancing, but she wasn't dancing when they charged her. She had stopped dancing. So uh, they, uh, she was just making things difficult for him. But they, they didn't like that. She asked too many questions, essentially. So they charged her. And then a couple of years later, finally, a judge says that uh, that basically, yeah, um, you know, you can't do you know certain public events at um, a Jefferson Memorial. So the Park Service was right and blah, 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 blah. And they just made that up. Park Service just made that up. Or was that a law? No, the uh, it the you know I I can't remember what the okay. law was that they said that she broke but something like disorderly conduct or something like that. Wow. So um, the reason that the ACLU didn't want to take that on, um, basically they were all fired, ready to do it, and then something happened. They changed their mind. They weren't interested. And essentially, there was a comment made to one of the people that was involved. Um, I can't remember who it was at the time. I think it might have been Jason Talley, who's now the uh, um, the, the director of um, the CD Evolution Fund, the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. But he used to be the crasher in chief with Bureaucrash. Right. And I think that the statement, I think it was him, and I think the statement was something like, um, you know, something you know we don't we don't celebrate people who own slaves was essentially what they said so you can see how you know what? there's this kind of there's you know i mean the, the accusation and i think it's not entirely unfounded is the aclu has a liberal bend to it yeah but that almost makes them sound like they don't support jefferson which which couldn't be true 
Really? Why don't I, you know, apparently <laughs> for whatever reason, they didn't support this. This They, they changed their mind on supporting this young woman who ha- was dancing at the Jefferson Memorial. Yeah, I guess they, they were going to do it and then they weren't. And I, you can draw whatever conclusion from that situation you want. But the, the ACLU here in New Hampshire has been contacted in multiple instances on similar situations right here in New Hampshire. They have elected not to do it. And strangely, the ACLU has never gotten into any of the free stater, um, you know, sort of lawsuit situations. That is strange. I wonder why. I wonder why the, Ameri- the the New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union isn't interested in a group of people that are very interested in promoting civil liberties. Yeah, grow a pair, guys. Come on and defend. I, I don't think it's about a pair. I think it's about a divergent political views. And I think that they don't want to support people that they believe have divergent political views of theirs. I would rather believe they're cowardly than, than be. believe that they have such a strong difference of opinion about liberty and call themselves the American Civil Liberties Union. It could be. I mean, it, I don't. I, I can't propose to answer why it is that they choose not to do these things, but there have been many, many different instances. I mean, the, for whatever reason, the ACLU of Maryland decided it was a good idea to bring a lawsuit against the, the city of Baltimore for deleting this guy's phone uh, videos. And, and frankly, I think it's a felony. I think what these cops did was a felony. They, they claimed it was evidence. And I will agree that it's evidence um, in the commission of a crime. That's, that's fine. I don't think that copy. means they should be able to take it from him. But then they deleted it once they did take it, took it, and then gave him his phone back. So if it was evidence... Then they have they have destroyed evidence and that, you know, they tampered with evidence and that's a felony. So um, I think that these people should be charged. I don't think it should be a civil suit. I think it should be a criminal suit. And I think that the um, you know, that it's the the Maryland, uh, excuse me, the Baltimore Police Department that's falling down the job here. But the ACLU of Maryland thinks it's a good idea to bring this case. And I agree. It is a good idea to bring this case. But the um, New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union has not decided it's a a good idea to bring many uh, different, you know, get on board with many of the different cases that have to do with uh, civil liberties here in the the state of New Hampshire that have been propagated by free staters. And I, you know, frankly, don't even know what the New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union is doing. uh, You know, I mean, I haven't heard about too many of the stuff, too much of the stuff they're working on. So you might be right. Maybe it's for them. It's just, uh, you know, a way for us to go to work every day and get paychecks and we don't actually have to do anything or maybe they have divergent uh, political goals and they think that free staters are uh, usurpers that are here to uh, you know change the state in some marked way they don't want to support them in any way shape or form and they don't actually care about civil liberties i kind of am of that opinion and i'm kind of that way uh, of that opinion sort of on a national level when it comes to aclu they'll pick up civil liberties issues when it's convenient for them right well they they need to win right to maintain their oh i don't think it's about winning i think it's about uh you know a a, some kind of agenda and i can't put my finger on it i'm not going to claim to be able to put my finger on it but i don't think that the conservatives uh talkers out there are completely without merit when they say that the aclu is just a uh, liberal shill organization i think that there's, there's something to be said for that i don't know what that means and i think they could change that overnight I think they right. could immediately say, we care about civil liberties and we're going to support civil liberties and they're going to really start doing that. And I think that some state organizations are better than others. Um, you know, they, they're not all, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, they aren't all dealing with free staters. So they're not all going to be like New Hampshire's is. 
Okay. Well, you know, I, I have a heart for the American Civil Liberties Union, having done some fundraising for them in the past. And yep. when I took calls from oh, their directors, they did seem to have a liberal bent. They would say things like, we watch out for right-wing extremism and things mm-hmm. like that. So the, the free staters may be uh, enemies to them. They, they, they may very well be. And I, by the way, I was uh, I, I got a membership of the, to the American Civil Liberties Union at one point, too. So it's not that I don't have some warm place in my heart. I'm just you know noticing what they, they do at times. 855-450-FREE. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Labor Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Derek! <laughs> i got to stop laughing when that happens. Have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to do nothing about it because attorneys are just too expensive? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people who don't have attorneys. The ACLU won't represent you. Get Jurisdictionary.com. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. Until you know these rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. As a matter of fact, courts all around the world that uh, use the English common law system includes Canada, Australia, India. Those are the ones that come off the top of my head. Costs less than an hour with any good attorney. And the four-CD course is so easy the aver- and that an average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. I, I took the course. I do think it is easy, and it is extraordinarily useful. This is the kind of thing that you should have learned in high school and civics class. They really didn't teach you. There's all kinds of free tools there at jurisdictionary.com. Go buy the course when you do. Use the pull-down menu to ch- when you check out to let them know you heard it from Free Talk Live. It's jurisdictionary.com. It's a great course. Let's go to... Matt in Illinois. Matt? Hey, Matt. Good evening, gentlemen. Mark and Derek? Hello. Hi. Um, You were talking about the ACLU. Yes. Yes. Okay, a little update on my court case. Yeah, bring everybody up to speed on it, if you would. Okay, uh, about a week ago, I was arrested for walking in a forest preserve in Illinois because Mm -hmm. I'm a registered sex offender. Right. And as such, I am not allowed to walk in the woods. But you didn't did know that. Know that. Yeah. So um, I, I had parked my car, and they ran my plates and found out who I was, and that's how I got arrested. Mm-hmm. Okay, I follow. So one of the first things I did was to give the ACLU a call to see if they could help me out, figuring they might be interested in this. Uh, it's a brand-new law that just came out in January. Worth a call? Here's a challenge for you. And um, I was told, basically, that they would only take court um, cases that they felt that they could win. So first off, they're telling me that they feel that they can't win my case. Um, but I was, I was told several other things by this woman on the phone who said that 
I wouldn't believe the amount of calls they were getting for these quote-unquote draconian laws that these people are passing. Mm. And she said that these laws were counterproductive and that you would not believe how many sex offenders are simply disappearing. Simply disappear. Oh, yeah, they just, they they get sick of uh, dealing dealing with all the laws, so they just kind of turn into non persons and slip into outside slip through the cracks of society. Correct, and they start just you know they find ways to get new identities or whatever, and yeah. they start living new lives. You know, you've got to ask yourself here, just just you know, you the average listener out there that thinks that sex offenders are dangerous people, and I understand how one comes to that conclusion. I get it, but. If you create, if if the government creates laws that are so draconian that sex offenders have to live in the woods, and that's what they have to, I mean, there's you know, there's a special on Oprah. I saw where the direct sex offenders are living in the woods. The Oprah Network, sex offenders living in the woods. If um, you know, a guy wants to take a walk through the through a public park that his taxes f- force him to pay for, and he gets thrown in jail, you know, I mean, it seems like once a guy does his time, he should be able to re-enter society. If he can't re-enter society, do you really want these sort of uh, shadowy, nebulous sex offenders lurking on the outskirts of society? And what do you think is more likely to drive them to, to commit again is whether they, um, you know, if they can re-enter society and make a good life for themselves or if they uh, just can't do it because the government won't let them? Yeah, one of the problems that I have um, is... You know, I what I did, I did, and it was wrong, and I'm not going to go into excuses or anything. I, I, I would have had a defense to put up had I had the money to put up that defense, but I didn't, and I just pled guilty. Yep, a lot, so many, this happens to so many people. So, what I did, it was not violent. However, I, I am defined as a violent sex offender. Hmm. Oh. And just just to, the, the 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 crime I committed was called aggravated sexual assault, okay. which defines you as a violent sex offender. And just to give you an idea, um, my nephew is also uh, was also convicted of the same crime. He was 21 and had a 15 year old girlfriend and had consensual sex. And that's called so aggravated. No, that's called aggravated assault. Criminal sexual assault. Wow. That's what they called it. And and he is he is also uh, a violent sexual predator. Hmm. That's what they call him. So that's how screwed up these definitions are. I mean, you would think a, a violent sexual predator would be would be somebody who would right. kidnap a little kid from a, a school and and do something very very sick and gross. But that's not the case. Yeah, it shouldn't be called a violent offense if there was no violence used. I mean, I. I, I can understand why they can come up with uh, you know statements like, you know, I can see I suppose where they're talking about an eight year old that they can't consent, and I get I get that, um, but I, I don't know that he, I don't know that I would call it violent. I would call it a sex offense. Well, this is another case where language matters. I it mean, does can matter. you imagine sure. the way a cop would act if he looked up a person and saw that he was a violent sexual predator as opposed to someone who had a fifteen year old girlfriend? Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference. So well, the ACLU when, just said, when, go, go ahead. When I when I go and I have to register every year at the at the police station, and the last time I went and registered, the uh, the police looked at me and they said, "Well, what did you do?" 
And I told them, and he just he just shook his head. He just shook his head, and because he knew that that this was a, a wrong way to to qualify me. And, and and basically, you know, I'm like I said, I'm not trying to make excuses, but but basically, I was I was I, I touched somebody's breast. Mm-hmm. That's what I did, and um, that's that was enough. Right. Wow. And that that's violent. Um, she was only 14 years old, and, and she was sleeping over at my house. But you know, I didn't really do anything that should have been considered violent. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a, um, you know, I mean, it's clearly a bad decision. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, when you get a sense, you, when you when you sentence someone so harshly that for the rest of their life they can't go to parks and they're dealing with all these uh, things over and over again, I mean, the person should deal with whatever the sentence is should be given initially and not this kind of drug out thing where they go, you know, they're cycled through the system for the rest of their lives, constantly getting thrown in uh, jail for little petty offenses that they that nobody would have ever uh, said made any kind of sense. The punishment lasts their entire life. It's painful for me to think about. I mean, I, I've said I was sorry. Yep. It's a poor choice, I've, right? I've done, yeah, I, I've done what they, what they required me to do. I, I did everything to try to, to, to make this right. And I just, you know, it gets painful yeah. to even think about it. And I got to keep living it over and over again. Yep. Never goes away. No, it doesn't. And you're saying, Matt, that the ACLU wouldn't take on this case because they felt like they wouldn't win it. And this is just one of a number of cases that the ACLU is hearing. Correct. It's, um, that's, that's what this lady was telling me she you know she said there's you know there's people living in tents out here because they can't live close to schools and stuff like that yeah um you know i imagine there's people that are worse off than me but sure i mean oh my lord well those listening to matt's story is this what you want to incentivize Is this the desperation that you want to create in the uh, life of a sex offender? Because desperate men do desperate things. Right. Uh, I should say desperate people do desperate things. And that's not you know, that's not going to incentivize him to live a, you know, get out and live a clean, straight life. And this is what so many of these laws that punish people after their sentence do. Matt, thank you for the call. I, I appreciate it. And I, I feel your pain. I'm, I'm sorry you have to deal with it. And. You know, it, it's a bad decision, but should the should it be a life sentence? Free Talk Live. Let me know. Should it be? Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Derek. <laughs> Derek. Now, um, I have a story. Uh, you I have a story, story well, for us, Mark. Yeah, this, uh, that caller, Matt, who just called in yeah. uh, about a uh, sex offender, just to catch anybody up who, who hadn't heard, there's a man who called about a story about a sex offender and, and the way it really ruins people's lives, or ch- at least changes it. Uh, the way they have to live for the rest of their life. He was. A, he is a sex offender. Um, you know, he's on the on the registry and all that stuff. And he was walking at a park, and apparently they passed some new law that says you can't walk in a park if you're a sex offender because God knows you'll hide behind a tree and grab some little kid and run off. Right. And 
the you know as the the it gets more and more difficult to live as a sex offender you drive these people into uh, greater and greater states of desperation so that's to catch everybody up but my story is that I had a youth pastor when I was younger from grades uh, 7 to sophomore year of high school. And this person uh, was like another father to me during this time. And because uh, he was accused of having a relationship with one of the youth, um, he was immediately banned from speaking with any of the youth in the congregation. He couldn't be on the church premises and... He was in his last week of seminary school, but was uh, cut off uh, from that. He wasn't able to graduate. He wasn't able to earn a certificate or anything. So this is just an accusation. It was then proven to be a false claim. Mm -hmm. And all of this still remains true that he had his life changed. Just because the accusation is so large. And it is, you know, when, when you're talking about an accusation like this, it is a big deal. And I'm not saying that these people should be um, you know, without some kind of punishment or, you know, making up to, you know, I don't know. I'm not claiming that there should be no consequences for their actions. I'm just saying that if you're going to, uh, you know, sentenced one of these guys to three years and then the rest of their life to having to, uh, you know, be on this list. They can't live in any place that's within, you know, a, a thousand yards of a playground or a church or, you know, any place that children congregate. Um, and, you know, they can't walk through the woods. I mean, you just don't know what that's like. And to create, they're, they're essentially the new lepers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they have to live out in the woods. Untouchables. In so many ways, they have to live out in the woods. In many cases, they, um, you know, they, they're, they're. It's difficult to get jobs. Well, it's, yeah, this this person eventually had to start up his own photography business, uh, do I, something on on his own. On I'm the a side. Con- convicted felon. That's not a sex fr- crime or anything like that. But I'm a convicted felon, and I didn't come out about having uh, this crime on my record until after. I started my own business. Now I'm comfortable that my radio talk show is going to do well and all that stuff. I, you know, life is good. I, I can let people know and maybe they'll be edified in some way having knowing that, you know, a guy can go to prison for second degree murder and come out and live, you know, a good life and have a wife and, you know, start a nationally syndicated radio program and, and be successful and that these things are possible. That would be success. That is success. I mean, to, to my mind, I mean, the happiest guy I know. <laughs> but <laughs> well, but that's, that's what we <laughs> – well, thank you. I'm, I'm just gay. You're, you're happy. I'm happy. That's so, right. no, that is success for, for the prison system. I don't hear many stories where people have – uh, I'm not successful gonna, uh, lives I'm not necessarily that. going to accredit the, the prison system other than okay. uh, as a deterrent. Oh, um, I see. You know, like, you know, I think that there are probably many people who go into prison don't have any kind of tools to understand how not to go back. And I uh. don't think prison provides anybody with any of those tools. I think in my case that essentially i you know i i chose to make some bad decisions at one point and i saw what those bad decisions resulted in and i didn't want any more of that still don't want any more of that so i choose not to make those bad decisions um you know so that's how it is for me in my life let's uh you know enough about me let's go to captain ted in florida captain ned hey guys uh free and freeman yeah, i'm i'm with you Day 27, he's caged like a rabid wolverine. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's not much like a wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Go blue, by the way. Hey, I hope uh, that Mr. Artist who got his leg broken, I hope his attorney isn't afraid of an open courtroom because that one would be fun to watch. Yeah, indeed. 
suppose the judge, all the cops. I mean, you know, that 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 one's that's ridiculous. Indeed, it's 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 frightening. Well, I share yeah, your I mean, sentiment. That, that needs to be litigated right to the left field fence, you know. Well, and I, uh, right in front of a jury. It's amazing how many of these stories are out there. Cops just seem to hate cameras right now, and I think we're. I think that this whole issue is coming to a head. I think we're going to see a real sea change at some point in the next few years. Cops aren't going to be doing this anymore because I think that so many people have, um, you know, taken it, uh, you know, that have stood up bravely and. They need to stand up bravely, take it to the limit. It's sad that we, the 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 people, the 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 employers of these uh, servants, have to stand up to them and spend our own money where they don't have to. But that's sadly the case. And the accountability well, yeah, shouldn't end with cops; it has to include the court as well. I would agree. Well, you're right. You're right, Derek and uh, and Mark. And, and to have the citizens of several states being busted up like this for just sitting there—I mean, that's crazy. You know, and uh, while you're you're just mentioning all those uh, high techies out there, that reminds me, you know, have your cameras uh, go live to the net so they can't, like uh, Jay's girlfriend the other night, the cops took his uh, her camera after his arrest and deleted it. It goes right to the net. That's right where it should go. If you're an activist, I mean, you know, just have it ready to go right there. You know, you guys have talked about that, but that's the way to do that. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I had my microphone off, Derek. Yes. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah they, you've got to you got to be ready for these things. Yeah, and Lamar, that was a nice call, man. When I heard, uh, I'm me and cellmate, I knew, I said, oh, here we go. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was going to get worse than that. I mean, well, <laughs> wasn't that endearing, though? <laughs> oh, that, was good. That, was, that was really good. But, and, uh, hey, Derek, I liked your uh, your take on the, uh, the customs for uh, Simona. Oh, the thank you, Captain Ned. The international prostitute angle was interesting. <laughs> she's, not as, she's not as cute as uh, Danica Patrick, you know. But uh, yeah, everybody's got their taste. Danica, I can't. I can't wait till Danica starts trading paint with the NAS next. Well, hey guys, good show. Thank hey, you very much. Thank you, Captain. Net. He yeah, makes a great point about activists ha- keeping cameras on them. I think the camera is the new gun. I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I was uh, somebody call a call was coming in on the amp line here, and you know, frankly, the uh, for for those that have the that are amplifiers, thank you for amping. But the really the new number eight five five four five zero three seven three three is the best way to get served as a caller on Free Talk Live because it allows us to interact much more quickly with the call to know who's coming in um you know sadly the way things are now with the the the, the amp line i have to wait until the middle of you know until the segment's over go take the call and find out you know who it is what they want to talk about that kind of thing or i go in blind if i go in blind there's no guarantee to me that in fact somebody's going to be on the line uh, yes. So I could very well go in with the expectation that I'm taking a call and then and, you know, nobody's there. And then, you know, it really breaks up the pattern of the show. So it's much better to know that somebody's on the line and that kind of thing. And the amp line, you know, it it doesn't it, it's old technology at this point. It's been re- replaced by the new uh, the, the great new uh, line that we have, 855-450-3733. Um, and the, the the software that has been purchased by Genesis Communications Network uh, of their uh, Ted Anderson, who's the uh, the guy in charge 
has invested heavily in Free Talk Live and in the Genesis Communications Network in with the intention of just making better shows. And, you know, I've got to say my tip, the tip of my hat to you, sir, uh, he's, he's done a really great job with this new setup and it's been implemented well by the uh, the gentleman, George, over there who, uh, who does these things. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, remember, uh, it's, it's Labor Day, so we're, we're thanking Alex the board op, too. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- this, is, this is one of the things that I've been meaning to tell the amplifiers for quite some time. I'm not even mentioning it in the, uh, the promos, even though it, it used to be a really great benefit. It was a better way to get a hold of the show at one point. Now I don't think it is. And, you know, technologies just tend to replace other technologies. Maybe when Ian gets out, he can think of better ways to use it. I don't know. But currently, as I'm running the show, my experience is it's significantly better to call in at 855-450-3733 and, um, you know, put, replace the, the amp number in your phone with that or replace whatever number you've got for Free Talk Live with that. And that will, uh, I, I believe, serve you better. But also to all you laborers, thank you for amplifying. <laughs> That's right. It, it, you know, so many amplifiers, um, they they just amplify. They don't even use the perks that come with being an amplifier. Some of them That's really so love sweet. the perks. And they, but they just believe in the idea of uh, Free Talk Live bringing you know, liberty to different venues. Uh, there's 109 radio stations we're on, two XM channels, and it's an incredible reach. And it's really all... Uh, all, all because the amplifiers have done it. And you can go get involved at amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, you know, we ask for $3 a month, and there are perks. I would say that the, uh, the the biggest perk at this point is probably the amplifier, the commercial-free podcast for amplifiers. Can't beat that. Yep. Derek, thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Mark. Tune in. In the meantime, freetalklive.com, and we'll be live again tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> 